Good evening again. Uh, I'm Ronnie Rowe, for any that haven't met me or don't know me, and it's good to be with you this evening. As we continue this series on these disciplines of the Christian life, these, we say disciplines, these practices in the Christian life, they're all by God's grace and for His glory. So this evening we'll be considering, and I hope uh, looking to the Lord as we consider this Christian discipline of service and hospitality. And as we do this, I want to ask a few questions. How have you been blessed by someone's service or hospitality? How have you been blessed in your serving and, and extending hospitality to others? And then also, have you ever been encouraged in just seeing from a distance the demonstration of true Christian service and hospitality. Other questions we can ask, you know, why, why do we even do this? Are we called to do this? How do we do it? Uh, for what purpose? And those are some of the things that we'll be considering this evening as even as we sang that last song, as we pray for the Lord to abide with this church, that we do beseech Him that He would be glorified in His church, that He would be glorified in our lives, in our witness to the love of Christ. So, as we consider this, I want to read three passages. After I read these, we'll pray. First of all, listen to the Gospel in Mark chapter 10, and I'll begin at verse 30, wait, 35. And so, this is, in your Bible, it may be titled, The Request of James and John. So, give attention to God's Word. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Now keep in mind, this, is, this follows Peter, James, and John being on the Mount of Transfiguration and what took place there. So just put that in context. So Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then also in John chapter 13, beginning at verse 12. This is part of the account in the upper room. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And then finally, also from 1 Peter, and this will be actually the text that I focus our attention on. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Peter writes, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, again we come to you, and we thank you that even as we consider this Christian, the part of the Christian life of, of service and hospitality, we thank you and praise you, O oh Lord, that you are the one who has served us in giving your life as a ransom for our life, for our very salvation. We thank you, O Father, that you have welcomed us into your family, into your house, through your Son, Jesus Christ, as you have adopted us in him. Lord, we now ask that you would come in the power of your Spirit as we hear your word As we hear you, we pray that we would be those that are listening, that hear. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe and that that you would put before us the love of Christ as we would desire to show his love and service and hospitality. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, this whole practice of of Christian service and hospitality. It's, it's broad, it's expansive. There's so many passages and we've looked at a few, but it's expansive to, to think about and to apply all of this in our lives in this brief period of time. But as we do consider the whole idea of, of Christian service, just to, in, in its basic meaning that service is, is actually acting for the benefit, uh, the welfare, the aid, the help, of another. 
uh, not expecting anything in return. Hospitality, in, in its bare sense, is loving or welcoming the stranger, not only into our homes, but into our lives, into conversations, uh, into a, a helpful and encouraging relationship. And, and I don't need to say to you or remind you, but I am, that there's many kinds of service. Uh, there's many kinds of service. We, we know it even as we get the, the bulletin and as we get phone calls and as, we, and as we get other communications of ways that we serve in the church. There's service in mercy ministries to the sick and poor, the, the underprivileged. Uh, even in joining together in worship, that is a form of, of service and fellowship. We serve one another as we come together in order to encourage one another to join in worship together. There's actually an office in the church, the diaconate, that is, uh, that is one of service. It's named for service, the diaconia, those who serve. We serve in Sunday school, we serve in the nursery, we, we serve the poor, pastors and teachers uh, serve, um, music uh, leaders uh, serve, those who lead in worship, and we can go on and on, those that serve on our missions committees and serve in missions, and we serve not only in the church, but we serve in our families. Uh, we serve in our friendships and our relationships. We serve, or we pray that we do, in the community uh, to our neighbor. And so as we look at these passages, and as I mentioned, we'll be focusing especially on this passage in, in 1 Peter 4, but I want us to consider these things as they flow from the passage. That first of all, that service is by the grace of God alone. Service is by the grace of God. Secondly, service is through the strength that God supplies. And thirdly, this service is to the glory of God alone. Well, first of all, this service is by the grace of God. We see it in the passage as uh, Peter is writing. He says, as each has received a gift, use it. And then from the text in verse 10, he says that these gifts are given by God's grace. He says, as good stewards of God's very grace. We have these opportunities, these gifts of, of hospitality, of service. They're given by God's grace. But I want to go beyond that and not just focus on, well, these are gifts, these are abilities that the Lord gives to His people in service and hospitality and other gifts that are outlined in 1 Corinthians 12. But I want to go a bit deeper and underneath that to say that we serve by God's grace in this sense. Even more as He has redeemed us and has ransomed us as we have heard and read in Mark 10 and it's also in Matthew 20, that Jesus has ransomed us from being a slave to sin, of being a servant to sin, of being enslaved to ourself and our own selfish ways. He, by His grace, has redeemed us in that way. 
Again, in Mark 10, 45, he gave his life as a ransom for us. And then, as he says in, in what we find in verses 43 and 44, is that he's saying to the disciples in that context, hey, look, if you want to be, be great, you need to be the servant. If you want to be first, you need to be the slave of all. And there's two different words there, uh, diakonos and then doulos. One speaks of the activity of serving as a servant. And then doulos is, has been translated as slave or bondservant. And so as we consider that we serve by God's grace, it is only as we have been delivered, as we have been ransomed, as we have been redeemed through the life and death and resurrection of Christ. We, we hear it even more in in Paul's letter to the Philippians, in Philippians 2, where in beginning around verse 5, where it says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or to, hung, to be hung on to. Uh, but um, he made himself nothing, took the form of a bondservant. Again, the word doulos is used there. It took the form of a slave, the king of glory, taking the form of a slave and being found in the likeness of man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Not just as a moral example, not just as a demonstration of love, but he does this once again in redeeming his people, in ransoming us, in delivering us from our own selfishness, our own desire and bondage to serve only ourselves. And what a pity that would be. What a misery that would be. And for those who are caught in that, in, in, this, in a self-centeredness, a self-interest, a selfishness, it is misery. And so thanks be to God that He delivers His people by His grace in serving and redeeming so that we may serve. So any of our serving is by His grace and is surely in response to His grace. Romans 12, 1, and this is kind of the pattern of, of uh, all of Paul's epistles. We see the riches of God's grace in Christ put on display and then the and indicatives of who we are in Christ but then there are these imperatives to live for Christ. And so, for instance, in Romans chapter 12, where Paul starts out, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercy, the compassion of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then he goes on from there in, in that passage to, uh, to put on display what it means to live out the Christian life in relationship to others, in service, and in hospitality, in, in encouragement, in loving in a sacrificial way. And then finally, as we're talking about that this service is by God's grace, uh, we another place where Paul brings this out, where he says that it's in 2 Corinthians 5.14, where he says, it's the love of Christ that, con get, that controls us. And he says, having concluded this, that one died for all, 
Therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live would no longer live for themselves. But for him who died and was raised on their behalf. No longer live for themselves, but for him. And as we live for him, we live for his people. As we live for him, we live in order to share his love, to see the gospel spread in acts of service and hospitality. And we see the many ways that this is carried out as we are involved in these ministries of service and hospitality. Well, this isn't an easy thing. Again, something else that I don't need to tell you. When we're serving others, when we're showing hospitality, it's not always easy. And sometimes it can be very uncomfortable. It can be wearisome at times. Uh, it can be uh, it calls sacrifice as we serve. And so, not only do we serve by God's grace, but but in this outline that I have, the second point is that we serve by the strength that God supplies. By the strength that God supplies. If you look at verse 11 in this passage, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Serving is not an easy thing all the time. It can be wearisome. As we serve in our home, as we serve in our families, as we serve in the church in all the kinds of ways and others that I've outlined, that I've mentioned, as we serve in our community, in our society, in, in this city, in the many ways that we're called to, and in all kinds of relationships, it's not easy. It calls for sacrifice. It calls for putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations, for giving up our time and energy. But we see that it's not done in our strength. Maybe that's, that's no surprise that we would say that, but I, I do believe we need to be reminded of it all the time. We can come up with our systems and plans uh, to do this in our own strength, but we don't. We are surely in need of the strength that only God provides. And in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul is talking about being, learning to be content in every situation, whether it's in want or in plenty, whatever it is, there's that well-known verse that is often very misquoted, especially when it's put up in weight rooms uh, or in a basketball court. This verse never helped me dunk the basketball. But we, but we hear... Of Paul writing, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's only in his strength. And although this is applied in another way, in, in this next passage that I'll mention in Romans 8.13, Paul is writing and saying, it's you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh. So again, it's only in the strength of Christ by the power of the Spirit that we serve. One other place, and yes, from the Apostle Paul, as we eavesdrop on the prayer that he outlines in Ephesians 1.18, toward the end of that, he says that he's praying that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened uh, so that they would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe 
according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And so if you hear what's coming across here as it's only in the strength of Christ that we serve, only in the strength of Christ that we extend hospitality, it's, the, it's nothing other than, than resurrection power that is at work in us that God provides through the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And we may deny it, uh, we may uh, neglect it, we may ignore it, but this is how we serve, by the strength that God supplies. If we try to do it in our own strength, in our own effort, surely we'll be burnt out. Surely we'll get burnt out, surely we'll become cynical, uh, surely we'll become discouraged, we'll complain and grumble, but we do this in the strength that only God supplies. It's what... Again, Paul is saying in another place in 2 Corinthians 4 when he talks about the ministry of the gospel and he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're the jars of clay, easily broken with cracks. But this treasure is in the jars of clay in order to show the surpassing, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's in his strength. It's in his power. As we serve, as we extend hospitality, this is where the strength comes from. This is where the power comes from. And as we rest in that, as we acknowledge that, that as we acknowledge those things, it becomes very clear, it should, that as we serve, the why of, of, of our serving is for the glory of God alone. This too in this, first, this text in 1 Peter, as it says, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In everything that God may be glorified. Why do we do it? We don't do it for our own recognition. We don't do it for our own status, or reputation. We do it for the glory and praise of God. As we come here singing praises to God, all of our life is to be to His praise, to be to His glory. John Calvin, in writing on this passage, said something to the effect of God does not give His, his people, His children, gifts so that they would strip Him of the glory. But all that He gives to His people by His grace is for his glory and His praise. And so as we serve, and again, going back to that first question in the shorter catechism, what is man's chief end? Well, it's to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And that applies to our service and to any extension of hospitality. And, and by the way, if you haven't caught on yet, this is not going to be a long, this is not going to be a long uh, demonstration of how we do hospitality. It's important uh, we have opportunity to do it. It's necessary as we show the love of Christ and show how God has welcomed us into His family as we serve people in compassion and mercy. A couple of people have mentioned to me, well, there's that Rosario Butterfield book, um, Hospitality Comes with a House Key. Well, I can't, I mean, I can recommend it on other people's recommendations, but honestly, I have not read it. I hear it's good. Go buy it. 
There's Scott back here. Um, and then there's others. But, um, but, but we do these things for the glory of God alone, not just so we can say we've done them, not for our own acknowledgement or, or reward. Um, it's in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ. And it says to him be, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Um, the story that Parker told in the sermon this morning, the, 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 this uh, extremely encouraging uh, and, and, and helpful sermon from Hebrews chapter 12, and, and speaking of the race that we run and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The story that he told about his running uh, in a half marathon using Gail Hardy's bib, was, it, it was a very helpful story, but it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Uh, as he comes across, after all the work that he did, coming across the finish line and hearing, well, let's hear it for Gail Hardy. Well, when we serve... We aren't doing it to hear, well, let's hear it for Ronnie Rowe, or let's hear it for you, or you, or you. But as we serve in this way, it's for God's glory alone. What, what, what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, but give glory to God who is in heaven. And that's what we are all about. It's the glory of His power shining through us. It's the glory of His grace, His love and mercy, as we love only because Jesus has loved us and has transformed our lives by His love and grace and power. It's only for His glory, uh, the glory of His mercy and compassion as we serve and show hospitality in showing love and mercy and compassion to others. It's only what He gives to us. As we carry out actions for the benefit, the welfare, the good of another, it's to His glory. It's because of the work that He's done in our lives. As He transforms the lives of His people and gives gifts to them to serve, He also gets glory as He shows His love to the lost and dying world. Well, when we think about this Christian discipline of service and hospitality, Yes, there are many practical helps that, that are still there that we could talk about. But I wanted to focus on these things, that we do it by God's grace alone, through the strength that He gives, by virtue of our union with Christ and by the power of the Spirit. We do it for His glory alone. And that's a great place to be. That's the only place that we can be as we do these things for His glory. Now... I want to sum up, and this is a little bit risky reading, kind of a longer quote from someone else, but I do think it would be helpful. It's a, it's a quote from John Calvin from his institutes where he talks about the Christian life. And he says these things. If you remember last week, Sean talked about this emblem, this crest of John Calvin. It's a flaming heart and a hand. And, and Calvin's motto was, my heart I give to you promptly and sincerely. And so this is applied in this area of, of service and hospitality. Calvin writes this, and this is true Calvinism. Calvinism, not just the five points, the doctrines of grace as we know, but, but listen to this Calvinism. He says, 
We are not our own. Let not our reason nor our will therefore sway our plans and deeds. We are not our own. Let us therefore not set it as our goal to seek what is expedient for us according to the flesh. We are not our own. And so far as we can, let us therefore forget ourselves and all that is ours. Conversely, we are God's. We belong to Him. Let us therefore live for Him and die for Him. We are God's. Let His wisdom and will therefore rule all our actions. We are God's. We belong to Him. Let all the parts of our life accordingly strive toward Him as our only lawful goal. And then he says, Oh, how much has that man profited, who having been taught that he is not his own, has taken away dominion and rule from his own reason, that he may yield it to God. For as consulting our own self-interest is the pestilence that most effectively leads to our destruction, so the sole haven of salvation is to be wise in nothing and to will nothing through ourselves, but to follow the leading of the Lord alone. Pray the Lord would give His blessings to this, as we, by His grace and for His glory, serve one another, serve our neighbor, serve the lost for His glory. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you would speak to us. We thank you that you don't leave us to ourselves, that you don't leave us in our foolishness and in our darkness and our slavery to ourselves, but that you have freed us by your grace to serve you. And we pray that we would do that for your glory and for the good of others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.